Listener Production. There's always like naysayers who are like, oh, let's see how you go kind of thing. When people kind of say, oh, I'm not sure if you're, you can do it, just actually makes me more determined. And I do think that is slightly part of the Aussie spirit, maybe. Hi, I'm Jess Rowe, and this is the Jess Rowe Big Talk Show, a podcast that skips the small talk and goes big and deep. From love to loss and everything in between, I want to show you a different side of people who seem to have it all together in these raw and honest conversations about the things that matter. Australian Frances O'Connor has been acting on screen, stage and television for over 30 years. I was first blown away by her cool performance in the movie Love and Other Catastrophes. Since then, she's worked with Steven Spielberg, had Golden Globe nominations and made an international name for herself. Now she's come into her own, working on the other side of the camera writing and directing her first feature film, Emily, the portrait of Emily Bronte. Congratulations on the movie. I loved it. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Jess. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's been a long kind of labour of love and so to kind of get this amazing response from people and also like to bring the film home. There's something really lovely about that. And for you, though, Is home Australia? Definitely is. It's kind of where I feel like most myself, I think. I mean, I do love the UK and I've lived in America as well. But like for me, I've spent the majority of my life really in Australia. Actually, God, it's probably half and half now, actually. Like when I come home, everything kind of aligns and I feel... I feel good. Yeah. And it's my culture. It's my identity. It's really my homeland. So a lot of my really great friends are here. So, yeah. You can sort of exhale in a way, do you think? Totally. Yeah, you don't have to kind of like negotiate any other kind of cultural stuff. You can just really be yourself and there's something lovely about that. And people Uh, get you. I think humour as well. I think laughter and joy is so essential to who we are as people. Uh, Yeah, I do. And I think that is part of the Australian spirit. You know, I think we also have this rebellious kind of streak in us, but there's like Aussies really take joy in life, in like living life, I think. And that's probably this beautiful environment that most of us live in. And I think it's pretty unconscious, actually. I think a lot of people don't realise that there is that kind of baseline of like contentment here, I think that maybe in other countries, like I live in London and that can be a tough city to live in for a lot of people. So much of what you do that we hear about is around work. As a performer, you're now directing, you've written this incredible film. What is it that you could perhaps share with us about what your life is like outside of that? Oh, God, it's hard to know, isn't it, after the pandemic? Like, it was just like, well, I knew what my life was like before the pandemic. So, and now we're all like, okay, let's get back to it and how are we going to function in the world and all of that. So, um, but, you know, I've kind of done uh, yoga my whole life and that's been something that I just love, every different kind of yoga, um, every different kind of school of yoga I try and love. I'm a runner. I come from a family of runners, so we all run. I love dancing, dancing something I just discovered in the last couple of years. So I do modern dance. So I love moving, basically. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love moving, whether it's dance or uh, running, yoga, that kind of thing. It makes me feel good. And my husband and I are massive movie buffs, so we spend a lot of time in cinemas. Even during the pandemic, it was fantastic because no one went to the cinema, so we had the whole cinema to ourselves. <laughs> um, yeah, my life's just kind of really the same as everybody else's. You know, I have my friends and I have coffee with girlfriends and, you know, it's just life really and I spend a lot of time writing and reading and uh, I learn French, I'm learning French, uh, I'm learning the piano. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What can't you do, Francis? I, di- I didn't say I was good at it. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> just learn. Yeah, but I think that to me is exciting. I think for all of us, we want to keep learning and we're never there yet. And the older I get, the more I realise, hey, I want to try this or give this a go. And and I think yeah. that's that's pretty special. Yeah. What do you do? What are you doing that you love? Well, do you know what? You know, talking with you, it it makes me want to be braver. And because I often think, no, I often think I am brave. But, you know, there's a part of me that thinks, oh, I mean, I can't sing. I've done singing lessons. So maybe I'll try singing lessons again. But also there's a part of me that thinks I wouldn't mind not to be an actor, but to do courses in acting, just to stretch that part of myself. I do love storytelling. I love talking with people. I enjoy writing as well. And I love escaping in my imagination. And there's always been a part of me that's thought, oh, maybe could I do an acting course? But I've always put it off. And then I think, you know what? You're someone who, not putting things off. I want to lead, I suppose, a braver and a bigger life. And with what you were saying too about being a mum and how, you know, there's a time when you're focused on that because I know with my girls very much that's been my focus, but you do get to a point where you think, hey, it's a bit more of my time now or it could be my turn again. Yeah, and I think as women too we do give up a lot of our time for our kids because I don't know, it's just like a natural kind of thing to do to kind of nurture your kids. And although oh, guys are pretty amazing, I think, at this point too. You know, I think, that, you know, my husband's such a great dad. But, yeah, I know that that thing of like you have to kind of stand still for a long time so that your kids can kind of grow up in a, an environment that feels really stable. And then, but there is a certain point where like, yeah, suddenly it's kind of shocking though when you do get that space back, I think, as a mom, because you're like, you thought you were kind of going to do this thing forever. <laughs> That's exciting too, I think, you know, to kind of think, okay, what do I really want to do now? And I hear a lot of my friends say that too, you know, this moment. I'm having a lot of friends who are saying, oh, my God, my kid's about to leave school and it's kind of shocking and, you know. But, yeah, we're all talking about projects that we want to work on together and, yeah, it's kind of cool. And there's time. There's time, yeah, there's time. again for us. And yes. I did read it in a British tabloid, so it mightn't be correct, but... I, probably not. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> where it was an interview with you where you were talking about there was a time when you're thinking, no, I don't want to act anymore when, you're, when your son was little, that you basically kept putting it off, that you thought, no, I don't want to do this, and your agent signed oh, you yeah, up yeah. for a play. That is, no, that is 100% true. I was just so enjoying being a mum. I also I'd worked so hard, you know, I was doing like two or three projects a year for a decade and then I got pregnant and I really enjoyed my pregnancy and then I really enjoyed that first year with my son and then my agent said I'm getting you a job. You are ne- you're never going to go back to work. But yeah, 
I really did enjoy those kind of first three years, especially with my son. It was really cool. Yeah. That bubble, that lovely bubble. Yeah. So lovely in the routine of that and something just very essential about it and lovely. I mean, it's hard, of course. Yeah. Now tell me about Francis, the little girl. You're an introvert and when you were little, there was a sense of not really feeling like you fitted in. Well, I felt like I really did fit in for a long time. It was more in my teen years, those kind of awkward years, you know, when you have to start negotiating your femininity and that kind of thing. I think that's when I kind of felt like, oh, this is, you you feel yourself. And I think a lot of girls feel this way. You move away from who your true self is, that little tough little adventurer who's kind of out there having fun and I feel like you you kind of move away from that because suddenly your attractiveness comes into play. I wonder what it is about that time when you do become, you're a teenager and you suddenly are more conscious of how you move through the world. I've got two daughters, they're both teenagers, Um, and um, I can sort of see that shift in them that they're suddenly a lot more aware of how people view them and how people react to them. Yeah, and I still think we objectify young women in our culture and sexualise them more than guys. It can make you feel unsafe, I think, as a young woman. I don't know. There's probably a lot of young women who are like, oh, that's bullshit, I don't really believe that, and I'm my own empowered person. But that was kind of a little bit my experience. But I do think things are shifting you know, I think there's a lot of amazing kind of young women, you know, like your daughter's age and, you know, women in their 20s, you know, like even like the young women I was working with in my film, they're just very empowered, kind of beautiful people. So I think we're progressing. I think we are progressing and I see it in young women as well. There's this almost sense of fierceness that they have and they're a lot more unapologetic, whereas I know I felt I had to diminish myself for a time when I was younger. Yeah, that feeling of like taking up too much space is kind of ugly. There's an ugliness to that rather than like, I'm here, you know, I'm like, boom, I'm here. And why shouldn't women occupy as much space as they want, you know? I know guys do. Of course um, they do. You know, so- it's like the man spreader on the, in London or the tube where they start, you know, and I'll be like, sometimes then I'll, I'll do the, I'll press back a bit. <laughs> but, no, I love guys. I love them. <laughs> oh, I adore men as well. I do think, though, they get it easier, especially compared to young women. And I want to talk about you, how you then were able to do your version, I suppose, of man spreading or finding your voice. Because, first of all, you did that very much as an actor. I kind of passed through this awkward stage as a teenager. And then I think I kind of came into myself more like when I was 17, 18. Um, but it was always kind of a little bit rocky, to be honest. But I think those moments of adversity, I think, help you kind of work out who you are and then kind of speak to that experience of, um, you know, everybody has stuff that they have to work through. And then that kind of helps form who you want to be. So those moments kind of that were awkward or hard or, you know, eventually makes you stronger because you spend time figuring out who you are. I don't know if that makes any sense, yeah. Of course it does. And don't apologise for that or don't diminish that. Why do you think we do that? I don't know. Just like a confident woman sometimes there's consequences to that and also women in public I think get get judged more harshly than men. I guess it's just like the needle's kind of moving and like there's the kind of old behaviour and the new behaviour in terms of 
yeah, how we move through the world. And speaking of confident women, you're a director yeah. now. You are <laughs> like boss of a set. What is that feeling like? There's something really magical about telling your own stories. I think like I've grown up on film sets and it's a space that is very comfortable for me and I really love. And I love being with a group of people. You've got the technical people, the crew, and then you've got the artistic people in terms of the actor and the director. And together you kind of come together and you tell the story and it's just the vibe on any set is usually pretty great because you're creating something and it's challenging. And usually I'm in the middle of that, you know, in front of the camera. And to kind of then be behind the camera, but also have brought all these people together. And you've kind of chosen who you feel like is going to come together and tell this story together. And there's something very satisfying about it. You know, it's a lot of responsibility as well. I just really enjoyed it. Yeah, it feels also like for this time in my life as well to kind of progress into, you know, a more mature person who's helping other people and to step into that space is something really beautiful about that. Yeah. I love that too because I love getting older because I love the experience and the confidence that comes with that. And even seeing the way your face changes, Francis, when you talk about stepping onto the set and having that role, what though, when you first began that, when you first were on the set on that first day as director, how did you feel on the inside? Were you scared? Were you nervous? I tell you what, there is no space really for nerves or there's just no space because what is required is so much bigger than you. (laughs) You just got to try and make it work. But also anytime a first-time director steps up, there's always like naysayers who are like, oh, let's see how you go kind of thing. I did notice my Aussie accent in those moments did become stronger. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! You know, because, you know, that, that kind of thing, when people kind of say, oh, I, I'm not sure if you're, you can do it, just actually makes me more determined. And I do think that is slightly part of the Aussie spirit maybe. I don't know. But anyway, but I, I really, I found like the, the first day too, this, it's interesting because you've got a group of actors and they know you're an actor and they know this is your first moment to go over to the other side. So there's a little bit kind of like not quite taking you seriously until eventually they're like, oh, okay, you do know what you're doing. And then they just kind of get into the story as well, the imagination of the story, which is what we were all doing together. And so how then did you, I suppose, delineate that line to go, no, I'm a director now. You take me seriously. You listen to what I'm saying. Well, I always just feel like if you're concentrating on the right thing, which is just the work, if you're worrying about what people think about you, which is something that is pretty endemic for women, (laughs) you know, please love me. But um, if you're just into the work, which is your job, then everything else just falls into place. I think that was something that Bill Nye said, like he just turns up and he puts his focus on the work. And so that's what I did. And it pretty much just kind of started rolling along and everyone just got into the the story, which was great. And, you know, we had we had a really a great time. We, we did like two weeks rehearsal and I got a, like a three-piece band to come up to Yorkshire to kind of warm up every morning, the actors, and so they could dance and I had a dance person come and we sang church hymns and we improvised so that all the actors really, you know, started connecting and developing these friendships together, which was great. Um, And they've all kind of kept friends afterwards, which is always a great sign, I think. 
And and I do that because I really believe that to get something real on screen, because you can look after yourself in a close-up without anything from the other actor because the camera's only ever on one person on the whole. But there's nothing like feeling like, oh, I do trust this other actor and we're doing the scene together. And that goes onto the screen. And that's what people, that's what the audience go, oh, I felt that too. Because you've actually created a moment that's 100% real, you know. I'm 52. And often you get to a point in your life and you think, oh, can I still do this? Or I've always wanted to do this. Maybe I can't. No, 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 I don't want to do it. But you've done it. You know, you've stepped out of your sort of lane, so to speak, being an incredibly accomplished actor. But you've written this extraordinary script. You've directed this movie. You've taken that leap of faith. What has that meant for you and how has that made you feel? Oh, thank you. That's such a great question. Yeah. Oh, it's made me feel a little emotional. <laughs> yeah, it's been great because you kind of like, it would have been safer just to stay an actor. And, I, you know, I could have maintained that probably for the rest of my life. But I just knew I had this other thing in me that I've had since I was really young. And even when I was in acting school, I was still writing a lot. And so to kind of finally honour that, just feel there's something really beautiful about that and great and kind of very holistic about doing that, I think. And like you say, to do it after 50 feels like, well, well, why didn't you just do it sooner? And it's just like, well, I wasn't really ready to do that. And, you know, you you know, if you're growing, if you're, if you're a mom as well, you know, you really have to be present for your kids. And like my son's 17 now, so things have kind of opened up a bit. He's less interested <laughs> hanging out with us (laughs) so I finally feel like okay I know he's going to be okay and now I can kind of finally do this thing that I've always wanted to do and yeah and I think for women women in their 50s I don't see why we can't still be gorgeous and ourselves and empowered and have something to say and I think it's a really great time I'm excited about it yeah and also to come into our own and I Hmm. think sometimes I know that can be scary because it can be easy. The easy way out sometimes is just to go, well, this has served me well, so I'm just going to keep going along this path. And so I'm really keen to get from you because I know a lot of our listeners would love to hear what it was that made you think, no, you know, I've been working on this script for over 10 years. I've got people saying, no, they don't want to fund this film. No, they're not interested in this but you kept going. (laughs) And what was it that made you keep going and think, no, I have a story and it's a story that needs to be shared? I guess because it's about a woman's voice and it's about being authentic to who you are. And by me telling this story, I was also on this kind of meta way being true to who I was and my own authenticity. So I really felt there was just something just something very, not driven, but there was something where I was like, I really need this to happen and I'm just going to keep going until I get some traction and until I, you know, and I was, we did a bunch of readings with some actors too at home, just, you know, people in the profession and everybody sort of said, we really love this story and we think it's ready and, oh, I'd love to see that. And that was the feedback we started getting back from eventually from producers as well. I gave it to my dear friend, Rob Connolly, you know, who 
did the dry and he's got blue back out at the moment. And he's got two teenage daughters and he said, oh, gosh, I think there's something here. I actually think you've got a great story. So he was someone who just went, I believe in this story and I believe in you and I really think this could could be something. And I had a lot of friends who also supported me. So I think that's really important. Like if, if you want to do something big that feels like a very different kind of move, I think it's important to have people around you that support you through that and go, yeah, I can see that this could be good or you need to work more on this. Like I had a lot of people who just went, okay, keep working. <laughs> you know, we did early readings of it where people were like, okay, you, yeah, it, there's some good stuff in there, but you really have some work to do. So I could have easily given up, but I just decided to kind of kick on and do more, yeah. And good on you for keeping on, keeping on, because often it's sort of at those moments, I think, where we want to give up, where you just want to, uh, is when it's the yeah, most well, important think, to dig deep. Totally, and especially as women, I think, like I was reading this report that said that guys know they're going to get to the end of the problem and girls doubt they're going to get to the problem, but they've got the same maths ability. And so I think it's that thing for women that, you know, sometimes we feel like, oh, I'm not going to be able to get there. Like we second guess ourselves a lot. I know I do, and I've done that <laughs> through my life, and it's that that sort of push and pull of, oh, I don't know, what will people think? But then it is so freeing and empowering to let go and think, you know what, I'm just going to go for this. And if it fails dismally, well, so be it. I'd much rather give it a good crack. Yeah, and I think it's important to embrace that you are going to fail, actually. And there have been moments during this process where I know I did fail and I'd never beat myself up about it. I just would pick myself up and educate myself about, okay, why did that happen? And then move on and just keep my focus on the end game, which is to try and tell this story in the best way that I can. I'm really happy to be in that space of like risk taking and to take a a risk and see what happens, you know, creatively. Because I read a quote of yours that was essentially to be a human, to be a human being is to be creative. And I, and I, that's a good, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. I didn't. Well, I was talking to my sister yesterday. We were having a cup of tea and she said, and we were just saying that if you're, some people are more creative than others and they've got an inherent kind of creative spirit. And that doesn't mean that they have to be an artist. Like my sister's a botanist and her garden is like a work of art. It's just gorgeous. And that's how she expresses her creativity. Um, so I think, yeah, I think creativity is very fundamental to being human and kind of one of the the best bits about us, I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That I think is a really exciting way to think about being creative because often you're right. I have this sense of, oh, if you're creative, you're in the arts. You're a performer, you're a director, you're an artist. But of course we can be creative regardless of what career or what it is that makes our heart sing. Yeah, because it's just about communicating some, an idea to other people, whether that is like your garden. So it's a beautiful kind of sensual place to be in and that's kind of a gift that you're giving to the people that come to your place or, you know, telling this story, or, you know, about Emily in a way that I feel is evocative so that for the audience it's this beautiful experience. And, you know, I think that's when art is good. But rather than thinking about the performance of it and that, like, I've got to then be on show with this my art rather than this thing that you're giving people. And, yeah, I think 
yeah, that can be big or small. It doesn't really matter as long as you get into the process of creating something is the most important thing. And that's where, like, that's the the reward for me was, like, making it. And then also, like, seeing the audience understand what I was trying to do in a cinema is kind of really special too. What I'd love to talk about is the auditioning process. Oh, yeah. And how you felt because, of course, you know what it's like as an actor to audition and really want a part. How did you feel as a director watching actors give it their all? Yeah, it's painful. It's just painful watching actors do what you do. It looks so vulnerable. And did you write emails to the actors who missed out? Yes, I did. Everybody who kind of got close, I did write emails to just say that they did a beautiful job and I love them as an actor and I'm wishing them all the best. And because that feeling when you don't get a part and you wanted it so badly, I just really felt that. And Fiona's just like, you can't write emails to everybody. It's just like (laughs) you've got to temper it with maybe the people that get into that last couple. So, um, but, yeah, it was, yeah, I really, I did, I do empathise, yeah. That was a little pathological, but, hey, what can you do? (laughs) Oh, no, I think it's a beautiful thing to do. Now, well, Francis, I have loved talking to you. Oh, I love talking to you, Jess. I'm going to be braver this year thanks to you. I am. I better be braver too. (laughs) But you have. Look, you've got this beautiful, beautiful film, Emily, and I can't wait to see what it is you do next, what story you share next with us. Yeah, I'm excited to. Yeah. We can do it. We'll do another one in a, in a year or so. Yay! <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Lovely chat. Oh, gee, I love talking with Frances. There is so much that I learnt from her. I want to be brave like her and to give things a go. And I tell you what, do not miss her beautiful movie, Emily. I adored it. I loved reading the book Wuthering Heights when I was a teenager and Frances has created this incredible world of Emily Bronte. So that movie, Emily, the portrait of Emily Bronte, it's in cinemas now. For more big conversations like this, follow the Jess Rowe Big Talk Show podcast. It means you are never going to miss an episode. And if there's someone in your life that you think will enjoy this conversation, share it with them. And if you love this episode with Francis, I reckon you'll enjoy my chat with guest David Wenham. All you have to do is two things, and they seem very, very simple things, is listen, listen real, think, think real. If you do those two things, everything else falls into place. And it seems such a simple thing, but I can tell you that 90% of actors don't actually do either of those things. The Jess Rowe Big Talk Show was presented by me, Jess Rowe. Executive producer, Nick McClure. Audio producer, Nikki Sitch. Supervising producer, Sam Kavanagh. Until next time, remember to live big. Life is just too crazy and glorious to waste time on the stuff that doesn't matter. Listener.